Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday American. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Besida, and I'm joined by my cyber partner in crime, Dayton Williams. Jacob, it's so good to be here. That's good to be here too. Uh, but wait, are you really here? Am I actually talking to Dayton? Or are you a robot? I am sorry, Jacob. I have deceived you. <laughs> this is so dumb. All right. <laughs> I just thought we should start with something stupid. You know, I don't edit this now. <laughs> so now we have to leave that in. Like Perfect. That's right, Jacob. From Twitter spammers to Google spiders to wonky chatbots and everything in between, today we're going to untangle Skynet and really unpack what bots are all about. about. To start, let's clear up a common misunderstanding. The bots we are talking about are not robots. So when we say bot, we don't mean RoboCop or the Terminator or your Roomba. Bot, in this context, is a computer program. A computer program that performs automatic and repetitive tasks. A robot is more a machine, and a bot is more like software. Software bots, or automated applications, are not really all that new. Clever computer programs have created all sorts of software that fill all kinds of needs. For instance, Wall Street markets use bots with complex algorithms and trading models to automatically buy and sell stocks quickly. Google uses their Googlebot which is a spider program that crawls through web pages and adds them to Google's search engine. A growing trend online is for companies to add a live chat, which utilizes a chat bot that guides users through problems they're having on websites. The first thing that comes to my mind is Clippy the paperclip in Microsoft Office. Do you remember Clippy, Jacob? No. <laughs> I do, but, I, you know, he's dead. He's dead. <laughs> I don't know if I'd consider him a bot. I guess he could be. I mean, he's a, he's a predecessor, you could I, say. Yeah, I could definitely understand that. Right. These, these bots are useful because they do tasks quickly and independently. However, like any technology, automatic applications are tools that can be used to benefit society or to wreak havoc on it. Coordinated use of many bots working for a single actor, called botnets, tend to taint greater discourse on what bots are and can do. Later on, we will discuss the use of bots in various internet attacks and their growing importance on social media landscapes. But I think it's important to make the distinction between technology and the human intent behind it. Moving forward, we need to remember that bots are just software. Software that is becoming cheaper, faster, and easier to build. That's right. As we discussed in Episode 5, Fake News, Trolls, and the Internet, the more sinister and attention-grabbing bots that have dominated the news cycle are Twitter bots. Specifically, I'm referring to the bots that are suspected of influencing online political discourse in the United States. But these Russian bots are not the only bots on Twitter. There's all kinds of bots, and there are a lot of them. The New York Times reported that, on average, only 35% of your followers on Twitter are actually people. The remaining 65% are bots. The truth is, Twitter doesn't discourage bots on their website. In fact, the user rules encourage building useful applications that engage with content. However, that changes when a bot is disruptive, misleading, profane, or simply annoying. In the months of May and June, Twitter suspended more than 70 million accounts in an attempt to limit the bots that were abusing the site, like automated and fake accounts that drown out voices of actual users. Some of the biggest abuses of bots come from celebrities, corporations, and politicians looking to artificially expand their Twitter following. 
Despite Twitter banning purchased followers, it's difficult to reprimand boosted accounts because there is plausible deniability on who is actually responsible for their inflated numbers. For instance, after a recent purge of bots, Katy Perry lost at least 1.5 million followers. Also, the demand for social media sway is so large that a gray market of marketing corporations cater to that desire, selling thousands of Twitter followers for as low as $18. Most of the time, detecting a bot is pretty easy. Simple bots often tweet over a thousand times a day and will often conform to a periodic schedule. Unfortunately for Twitter and other social networks dealing with bot problems, there are two big problems. One, the more advanced bot accounts become, the harder it is to predictably suspend a bot. And two, users are having a harder time differentiating between a real person and an automated Twitter account. The failure on the part of human users to recognize when a bot is a bot become especially pronounced during coordinated misinformation campaigns, like the 2016 election campaign previously discussed. All of these automated social media bots can create a network of targeted misinformation that spread lies and pour gasoline on online partisan debates. As we discussed back in episode 5, U.S. investigators have uncovered Russia-backed botnets that automatically posted pro- and anti-gun control messaging following the school shooting in Parkland, Florida. And they do a lot more than just that. So now that you know a little bit more about bots and what they are and what they can do, what are we supposed to do about it? Well, so there's a lot of things that are in the works right now. A lot of corporations like Twitter and Facebook are getting a lot of public pressure from citizens and also Congress recently to kind of rein in the rampant use of bots. Like like we said, bots aren't supposed to be banned from Twitter. There's a lot of really cool ones, like some that I'll show you later. But some of the more damaging ones are, are kind of really making these environments toxic. So one thing that Democrats propose in Congress is something called the Bot Disclosure and Accountability Act. So the Bot Disclosure and Accountability Act is kind of pushing for these social media companies to have more control over their bots. But as you can kind of imagine with what we've talked about in the past when it comes to regulating technology companies, there's a lot of things that could fall through the cracks here, right? So for one, what defines if a bot is hazardous or not? And different social media sites would have different qualifications for what that entail. And the definition that they have, or this, this bill has, to identify these accounts is very broad, and it could cause complications for, for newer companies and these larger companies to kind of rein in this issue. There's definitely a lot of difficulty behind, like, uh, like you know, regulating bots in general. Do you think it should be legal to restrict bots, or at least maybe there's a legal requirement that states, if you're using a bot or a bot is being employed, it has to state clearly this is a bot on the account? Right. Well, that's something that leads into like something that the GDPR is doing, which says that there needs to be full accountability and transparency for online transactions and online dealings. And so the GDPR, you could argue, could say, hey, if you're an automated account, you have to specify that you're an automated account. And so then you have to come down to how do we reliably figure out if something is automated or not? Because if you're a social media company and you're supposed to manage and meet these federal or international standards, you could be penalized for not finding enough of these bots. And so as they get more complicated, your whack-a-mole uh, mallet needs to get more precise to be able to hit them more. So it's almost like an, oh, it's like kind of like an arms race against the companies and the bots. And that seems to be unsustainable in the long term. So there has to be some kind of give here. Yeah, I certainly agree. I also think there's a lot of framing in terms of bots as always being an adversarial problem, even like as you're doing right now. 
right. where the bot is inherently kind of negative. I mean, but yeah, I mean, as we've already stated, you know, bots are neutral technically, and the intent behind them is what is usually at issue with most bots. But I think this kind of adversarial lens kind of pushes bots always into the idea that it's something that is only solved through regulation rather than perhaps bots offering some positive changes or perhaps bots even being able to solve some of their own problem. That would be definitely uh, definitely a different take on the issue, I think. Right, right. And I think the language that the GDPR uses, it, it's not too specific on bots. Like, I don't even think the word bot is used. A lot of the things that, that's used in that is um, algorithmic accountability and automation. And so, you know... It's more open-ended. It's very open-ending. It's very open-ended, which... When it comes to regulations, open-endedness can be like a double-edged sword. Mm. It can apply to more things, but also it's easier to wiggle out of. Right. With tech, I mean, it's also much harder because, you know, a lot of things change. I mean, seeing algorithmically is very is incredibly vague in terms of regulation of tech, honestly. Mm-hmm. Some mm-hmm. might even argue it's overly broad, but I mean, it's... I mean, it definitely will keep them ahead of ahead of certain language, you know? Right, right. And ultimately, if it's, I mean, the GDPR and kind of like what the the Bot Disclosure and Accountability Act is really trying to do, it's trying to like label accounts or label people who are using these accounts as being automated or as being bots, right? So will that really change that much of the way people think, mm. you know? Well, if you if you see this account and you agree with it and you, you still read it, you, mm. in, you ingest it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's still doing its job. It's still getting its message out, for instance. And so will really identifying it make that big of a difference? That's I'm true. not sure. That's a, very good, that's a very good point. And I think this leads well into our next section about equity in terms of politics. Mm-hmm. And while we're not going to take any particular opinions here, we are going to talk about the effects that bots are going to have on political discourse in the coming years. I think, I mean, similar to money in politics, you know, bots can serve to promote a minority voice. If you are technically savvy, you tend to have a lot more power. If you can generate and make bots, you're going to have a lot more power in spreading your voice online than other people are. Mm-hmm. And traditionally in politics, a lot of people's voice is restricted to your ability to spend. It's related to a variety of other things, but, you know, money talks a lot. And there's a lot of right. there is some degree of regulation of money in politics, but not entirely. So while bots could be used to raise up people who traditionally don't have money, generally the most tech-savvy people are closely related to government. And so what kind of risks does that impose? Is, is there a possibility of repression by government simply by the government having a ton of bots and then spamming all message boards so that you effectively have a DOS attack right. against message boards, which is something that autocratic societies actually do? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, obviously, it's very anti-democratic. Yeah. To have these government sock puppets, which I I think is a term. Sock puppet is a term that means like any online account that's like a mouthpiece for a government, for instance. Um, I think that it's definitely anti-democratic. And the thing is, there's no real norms or any laws that prevent this kind of thing from happening. Right. And so it, it could be happening now for all we know. I don't think it is, but um, it could be happening. The U.S. government could be doing this. But there's nothing really in place to stop them from doing that. Right. We don't really view it in this lens. I mean, we've just barely, you know, with with the rule Russia has played with bots, we've just kind of barely scratched the surface. The public has kind of just become aware mm-hmm. of this as a technical issue. And they, they don't even consider the impact of bots and, and their strength as almost like a input into a successful, like, political strategy. I mean, political campaigns have been using bots, not in this way in the past. Right. But they, you know, they use bots to help aggregate their own information and to target specific users. Mm-hmm. And that 
generally is viewed as being okay. Right. Uh, right. So you know where to where to where does the line get drawn with uh, bot usage in mm-hmm. terms of politics? There's probably going to have to be some sort of regulation of that as time goes on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Cam- Cambridge Analytica. One of the things that they did that we talked about was they created these um, psycho profiles on people whose information they gathered. And then they used bots and different targeted advertising to send messages to these people who they think would be most receptive to it. Right. Um, so is it mind control? Is it effective advertising? You know, gray zone. <laughs> um, but I, I think that's a really good point. Like, <laughs> it, it seems kind of weird that campaigns and, like, people trying to get into power can use bots. Mm-hmm. But then once you get into power, you can't use bots anymore because that doesn't seem like a very consistent messaging right and when you're just a random person using bots you tend to be viewed as a malicious actor trying to sway things towards somebody so it's interesting how the use of bots gets framed specifically with the actor involved yeah yeah is is it a propaganda machine or is it just a really convincing argument you're Mm -hmm. using your tools at your disposal to get an argument across right even if that argument is (laughs) being used by impersonating random people that you don't know and projecting a positive message. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. It, it, it Just bots inherently kind of question a sort of equity of, of people's speech. You know, mm-hmm. it, it allows some people's voices to get magnified. Right. And, you know, we, we've come to the point, I think, that we're realizing that there is something at issue here with, with the, if unbridled bot usage is definitely uh, definitely a huge problem. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, going back to what the GDPR and the um, the Bot Accountability Act would kind of move in that direction would be having almost like, um, you know, a promoted tag mm-hmm. on an account, you yeah. know? Like, you'll be going through news stories or you'll be flipping through social media and there'll be like a promoted tag. Mm-hmm. And, you know, more often than not, I won't click on promoted stuff, but you still see it, Sure, you know? Just because you see this article that's obviously pro certain business or pro certain political party you still see it mm-hmm. and whether or not that that gets into our subconscious or whether or not like we knowingly get it out of our head i'm not really so sure there's a lot of power to like subconscious pressuring right and again going back to another statement you know what if you're just drowned out by a total number of bots maybe your account then gets added a feature that says please i don't want to see anything from known bots mm-hmm. then you start thinking that everything you see is not a bot and now you're probably even more at risk of being susceptible to a bot. Oh, yeah, because only the smartest will survive. It's Darwinism well, at work, you know? It is kind of, though, <laughs> especially when someone's telling you that it's filtered out all the bots. You know, yeah, you, yeah. you're going to just assume you're, 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 gonna assume you're safe, mm-hmm. which is kind of a weird duality of this, you know, if a tech company promises it's safe, at the same time, it then makes anything that slips through the crack that much more dangerous. Right, right. Which is an interesting kind of duality of security here at play Mm -hmm. and i think like ultimately this goes back to the human factor the thing that we've talked about it again and again and again and ultimately at least right now we haven't evolved socially and culturally to be able to really connect with and understand the use of bots in our everyday and be able to process it in a way that's productive you know, we're not really inoculated to understanding that not everything we see posted by an account is always true. Not, not every time someone posts something and it's retweeted thousands of times and liked 10,000 times that it doesn't have value or if it does have value, right? Mm. You know, if you could, like as we said, you could buy 1,000 Twitter followers for $18 online 
and we post something on Twitter and we get 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 likes for under 100 bucks, that raises our profile. That makes us more noticeable. That makes what we have to say seem more important to someone who doesn't manually go through every single one of those likes and sees if that person is real or not. Like, I think there's an aggregation issue here, too, that can add a lot of legitimacy to people who don't rightfully need it or who are artificially giving it to themselves. And so that goes back to the money thing again. You know, if you have extra, if you have an extra $10,000 laying around, you can buy yourself a lot of influence for that. Right. We're increasingly getting into an area. I mean, we've always had an issue, you know, of inequality and the haves and the haves not of money. But uh, now you're getting into the much more pressing issue of the haves and have nots of technical savviness and combined with a lot of money. Mm. It's it, it increases certain voices in in discourses, right? And that, and the thing is, like bots could we're, we're again like we're falling into this fallacy of saying they're bad, they're bad, they're bad, right. like they're scary, mm-hmm. but they can also be used for good things too. Sure, there's um there are many bots online that are kind of like fact checkers, right? And if you post something or you'll use certain language that is deemed inappropriate, it'll just reply to it and say like, oh hey. You know, this is the proper term for this. Or, oh, hey, this, this here's some charts. Here's some stuff from NPR or whatever. Um, but then that runs the risk of where are these articles coming from? You mm-hmm. know, like, are these partisan or are these like, you know, can you trust this bot to fact check you? It was designed by a person with bias. Right. I under- Yeah, that's that's a very fair point. And, you know, going forward, you know, there are good bots. I mean, personal favorite of mine, Haiku Bot, which just scars the Internet for things that can be made into haikus. Uh-huh. And then it just makes it into a haiku. It's great. It's oh, fantastic. perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's a great bot. <laughs> yeah. And there's a whole bunch of other useful bots. There's, there's one that that measures seismological waves in San Francisco, and it'll tweet out when, you know, like way before news reporters will be able to report out um, about you know, an impending earthquake, you know, right. so it's like a first response. It's like a thing that protects people. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, let's move on to something a little bit more fun. Oh yeah. So just starting off, there's a service called Botometer, which checks activity and gives a score based on how likely it is to be a bot. Higher scores are bad and they mean that they're more like, right. right. They're more like a bot. So, so is it Botometer or Botometer? You know, I'm not, I'm going to let that, uh, <laughs> I'm going to let the audience decide on that one. Uh, here's a, here's a fun game to play. If you want to, if you think it's, uh, botometer or botometer. Yeah. If yeah. you think it's botometer, uh, reblog this post. <laughs> <laughs> if you think if you think it's botometer, keep scrolling. Keep scrolling. <laughs> Actually, hit like. But anyway, all right. So, for instance, decrypted podcast, our Twitter, got a four point two out of five. That, that's very bad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the president got point two. A lot of known accounts will get like point one, point two. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so we should probably be tweeting more so we don't look like a bot. Right. Or we, we tweet every single minute so we look extra like a bot. <laughs> yeah, it's a slippery slope either way. <laughs> yeah. So I think you had a segment for me as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we're going to play a bit of a game, Jacob. And uh, it's going to be called Bot or Not. So here's how it works. Wait. All right, anyway. Okay, so here's how the game works. I have some uh, Twitter accounts here. Some of them are bots. Some of them are not bots. So mm-hmm. I'm going to describe them to you, mm-hmm. and you're going to tell me if you think it is a bot or not. So are you ready, Jacob? I'm ready. Let's do this. Okay. Our first candidate. Mm-hmm. The name of the account is at Enjoy the Film. So... Before this bot was deactivated in 2014, at... It's a, it's a bot. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, sorry. Before this bot 
was deactivated in 24. All of them have the bot to act as if it was true or not. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to throw you off. Don't just assume. All right, just cut out that bit. Okay, so the first bot is at enjoy the film. So before this bot was deactivated in 2014, at enjoy the film would terrorize Twitter users by spoiling the endings to newly released movies. Bot. It feels like it has. Uh, it feel like it could be a bot, but I feel like it has a human element behind it because I don't feel a bot would just know the ending of a of a of a thing, of a movie. So I'm going to say not. Oh, I'm so sorry, Jacob. It is in fact a bot. Ugh. Yeah, uh, it, how it work? It would search through uh, major hashtags of people talking about movies, really, and then reply to people who use those hashtags. You know, and so there's there's a whole compilation online. We'll have to tweet it out. It's pretty funny. That's machine learning at its finest. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Just to make people upset. Okay. Not starting off so hot, but, you know, you can rebound. You can rebound, baby. Okay, so, number two. At Trump Spear. At Trump Spear. Created during the 2016 election, this bot posts alternate versions of President Trump's tweets into iambic pentameter, complete with Elizabethan vocabulary. Bot or not? I actually think this is a bot now. It is not. I made it up. <laughs> oh, that's not even fair. How could you? Yeah. So, so there are Trump Shakespeare novelty accounts. Yeah. Right. But they are run by people. Oh, okay. And so none of them, after going through all of them and looking at their tweets, I, I don't think any of them are bots. I ran through a batometer. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of them are bots. I guess I'm kind of biased because um, my fa- one of my favorite bots is Haiku Bot. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So you really got me there. On it, that. Yeah. But cool, cool thing though, there isn't a there is an account called at Potamatron, which is mm-hmm. such a cool name, Potamatron, mm-hmm. and it actually searches through people's tweets, and if they follow that iambic pentameter da mm-hmm. da 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 mm-hmm. pattern, it'll retweet them. Oh, okay, so that yeah. that's more of what I was thinking. I, yeah. I, I that's the issue. That's yeah, like, that's so. like, that's like how the haiku bot works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I kind of combined two ideas into one. Yeah, so. I see that. Okay, I'm zero and two. Zero and two. <laughs> So it's it's hard to tell. It's hard to Soon tell. Soon I'm gonna have to yeah, I'm gonna have to take off the mantle of cyber of your friendly right. neighborhood cyberman. I'll be the about. friendly neighborhood cyberman. Okay, uh, bot number three at quality time. That's spelled K O A L I T Y time. Don't Google this. I'm not. Okay, this bot scours Twitter for any mention of the word quality spelled Q U A L I T Y, and it then retweets that post with a meme of a happy koala captioned with the cuter version koality spelled with a k-o look i'm gonna say this is a bot and if it's not it needs to be no i made it up (laughs) but it definitely could be (laughs) oh man yeah it could be a bot it could be a bot so i'm playing a game against not like bot or not like this is these are either real bots or some crazy thing dayton has come up with yeah exactly i'm i'm a mad genius i'm a mad genius well you know what i feel like quality bot could uh definitely exist it's quality time quality time quality okay. time yeah we'll have to just that that the decrypted podcast twitter we're just gonna re- constantly retweet people with just image macros of, of koalas looking cute we'll get on that eventually oh yeah we'll, we'll get on that this is making me really want to build a bot jacob we will try to do that in the meantime yeah i think it'd be pretty cool okay last one and you know if you if you get this one you win all of it you know with this we're just having fun here Okay. So, the name of this Twitter bot is at T-A-Y, at Tay. So, Tay was released by Microsoft as a machine learning chatbot in 2016. And so, Tay began on Twitter 
by collecting and aggregating tweets by users in order to generate human-sounding tweets. So, unfortunately, after posting 16,000 tweets, 16 hours later after first posting it, Microsoft took down Tay after it began tweeting terribly racist and misogynistic things to its followers. Bot or not. God, I hope it isn't, but I, I actually think it is a bot now. No, that is a bot. That actually happened two years ago. <laughs> That's awful. This reminds me of the uh, Google talking. They, they made like um, like an image processing, uh-huh. like a machine learning image processing sort of system. Uh, and basically, it started communicating with itself eventually, I think, with these weirder oh images. Like talking to itself, just like uh, spiraling yes. into madness? Yeah, something like that. I think I might uh. be butchering two things at once. But right. yeah, there was like a sort of, it kind of developed its own its own sort of quote-unquote language. Uh-huh talking to like maybe another machine learning um image processor i can't i might be mixing that up but you should check those out they're pretty cool that sounds awesome so i think an important thing to mention here and i'm sure people have heard this kind of term before it's something called the turing test you're obviously familiar with the turing test jacob so could you explain to the audience what the turing test is and why this is relevant to bots well basically the main idea of the turing test is to see if a human is able to determine if they are talking to a computer or not and if it is, if the human is unable to determine if they're talking to a hu- uh, human or not, you know, uh, then then the computer has passed. Right, right. And so, if there are these chatbots that are programmed by people and they're online and they're talking to people, um, there has to be a point where you could say, "Oh no, that's obviously just some software program." Mm-hmm. But the thing is, we're getting close to it. I don't think we've we've made it we've made it yet quite yet mm-hmm. something that can beat the Turing test. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how many questions you're allowed to ask the the bot before it. I think it's fairly intensive. Oh, yeah. Right. Do I, you feel? <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. At the moment, I don't think we've gotten to the point where, you know, you can't kind of lift the curtain and kind of see that it's still a bot. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Can you post an image of a koala? <laughs> well, do you want to just wrap this up? Yeah. How should I uh, How should I end it? Um, I think you should talk about our lovely new editor, who was just starting for us this episode. Yes, um, that's true. You should definitely talk about... Uh, our Twitter account and how we're definitely not bots. Okay, that's probably um, even idea. though we scored terribly on the botometer mm-hmm. uh, or or bottometer. Okay. Um, if you agree with Jacob, yeah. Uh, yeah. again, re- uh, you know, reblog if you think I'm right. Like it if you think Dayton's Dayton's wrong. Either of those works. Yeah, report us to Twitter if you disagree with us. Yeah, report us to Twitter if you think we are a bot. That's fair. Yeah, and you know, continue. Uh, what was the other thing you want to say? Uh, peace on Earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> The last thing is that hopefully we're going to have a follow-up for this mm-hmm. bot interview where we will be interviewing an expert on the subject matter. And stay tuned for that to hear a little bit more about bot policy. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. You're banned. <laughs> no! <laughs>
Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation. Thank you.